Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series on life groups. And we've been going through, haven't we, the five characteristics, the five key characteristics that we believe underpin these groups. And these characteristics that we've been talking about are community, growth, encouragement, vulnerability, and worship. And two weeks ago, we looked at community. And we were saying that community really is the foundation of our life groups. And then last week, Simon talked about growth, how being in community, how being part of these communities will help us to grow spiritually. I don't know if anyone has any trauma left over from last week. Does anyone have any trauma from the videos and the photos of Simon's old spider? Yeah, Amy's got a bit of trauma. Yeah, well, well, I'm sorry to say I don't have any videos or any uh, photos of any spiders or snakes or anything like that that's going to disturb you this morning. We're going to be looking together at this next characteristic that we've been talking about. We're going to be looking at encouragement, the role of encouragement in our life groups. And whilst we talk about this list of five characteristics, we recognise that each of these characteristics that we're talking about, all of them come around (laughs) community. Community is the root, and from there, all these other things come. From community, we can grow. From community, we encourage It's within the strong community where our encouragement towards one another is most effective. And we're going to look a little bit as we go through this morning at where the role of life groups are in this. How does life groups give us an opportunity for encouragement? And why does life groups allow encouragement to become an effective tool in our faith? I don't know if you remember if you were here. At the start of 2023, a few weeks ago, the first sermon at Riverside, Simon talked on a sermon titled, Our Role in God's Story. Our Role in God's Story. And he spoke about three things, three roles that we each have as followers of Jesus, three mandates, if you like. Come to Jesus, be church, and go to others. And I think this question that was asked, what is my role? What is my role as a follower of Jesus? I think it's a great question for each of us to ask ourselves, both in general looking in general as to what is my role as a follower of Jesus, but also 
after every sermon that we hear or book that we read or moment with God that we have. We should be asking this question, what is my role? How should I respond to this? And throughout the Bible, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we read that one of the most powerful things that we possess is our tongue. (coughs) Proverbs tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death. With our tongue, we can build someone up or we can tear them down. In the book of James, it says this about the tongue. Take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. How we use our tongue, according to the Bible, has a genuine impact in other people's lives. And as we read the last sentence of this passage, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. It's easy for us to think negatively, to think about the harsh word that we can say that really breaks someone, to watch out for not using those harsh words, how it can affect someone's mental health, how it can help them lose confidence, how it can hurt someone. And this is true. This is something we need to be aware of with our tongue, about the harsh words that are coming out of it. But there's also an exciting part to this passage, to what is being said in the book of James. At least I think it's exciting. It's a positive word or a word of encouragement has the potential to turn a spark into a flame. And I'm sure most of you know that I play a lot of football. I I think I mention it enough. But over the years of playing football, I've really had to learn the impact that words have on a football pitch. Over the last years, I've been captain of a few different teams that I've played for. And as my role of ca- as captain, I need to help motivate my team so that we can be the best that we can be on the pitch. And from doing this, I've learned quite a lot about communication. I've learned a lot about how people respond to things. I've had to really think about how I communicate with my teammates, how I respond to mistakes or when we are losing. See, when you're playing football, it's quite a tense environment. It's easy to get frustrated when things aren't going well. And it's easy to take that frustration out on those around you. And I know that throughout my time of playing football, there's been so many times where I've done that. What are you doing? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you pass there? But I've come to realise that what tends to happen 
in these moments, when our frustration is what comes out of our mouth, you tend to realise that all that happens is the person being criticised starts to lose confidence. The person that's being criticised starts to go in on themselves a little bit. In football, they start to want the ball less. They start to get nervous when they have the ball. It only seems to end in a negative. These negative criticisms only seem to have a negative effect. And instead, I've realised that the most powerful communication, the most powerful thing I can say as a captain of my football team, as a part of a team, is giving encouragement, praising someone when they do something well, when they do something well, and when they make a mistake, saying, head up, keep going. And you'd be surprised as to the difference and how visible the difference is in the, uh, in the football game. In the individual, you see confidence, knowing that there is someone that is for them, that will encourage them no matter what. And in fact, I've started to do something on a football pitch. If I hear the other team start to argue and give different and, and start to criticise one another, I would often just say to my team, just listen. Because we know once the criticisms start coming, that is when the opponents are starting to lose. Criticism leads to a lack of confidence. Criticism leads to people not wanting to try things. Criticism leads to people coming in on themselves. What we say to people around us has a real impact in who they are and what they do. And this is why the Bible tells us that our role, one of our roles as a follower of Jesus, we talk about what is my role. Well, one of our roles as a follower of Jesus is to encourage one another. We are called to be people who actively seek opportunities to give encouragement to those around us. And in the New Testament, there are three types of encouragement that we are called to give one another. Firstly, we are called to encourage each other into love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another daily and all the more as you see the day approaching. Clearly, the author of Hebrews, probably Paul, believes that one of the best ways we can encourage each other is by regularly meeting. By meeting regularly and speaking into each other's lives. Speaking encouragement. Choosing to do this. I find it interesting that when 
the author's talking about encouragement, the opposite to encouragement for him is nothing, is not meeting together. Do not give up meeting together, he says. Instead, encourage one another daily. This is where growth and encouragement go hand in hand. Because we can push each other through our encouragement towards love and good deeds. The second type of encouragement that is mentioned in the New Testament is this. Building each other up. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Encourage one another and build each other up just as you are also doing. What might this look like? Well, this this could be as simple as a word of encouragement about something that someone has done or who they are. You did this really well. I noticed you doing this. That was great. I think you're really good at this. I love this about you. And often this is the kind of calling, building each other up. Sorry, this is the kind of encouragement that helps someone to become confident in their calling. Building someone up about something they have done or something they are good at is often what helps people to have confidence in their calling. Thirdly, I'm rattling through this. Thirdly, we're called to encourage others by our life. Romans 1.12 says that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. One of the best ways that I think we can encourage each other is by telling stories of the things that God is doing in our lives. And this requires allowing people into our lives, right? We need to be willing to have these conversations about things that you might be struggling with that God's spoken into. We have to be willing to share our faith with those around us. But I don't know about you, but for me, hearing what God is doing in other people's lives really spurs me on in my faith. It encourages me by reminding me that God is active and that God is working, that he is moving. And I really believe that the effectiveness of our life groups that we've been talking about, the effectiveness of these groups depends on us being willing to give positive input into one another's lives. In the book of Acts, we read about the rapid growth of the early church. And if you just scan through the book, you will see that within this growing church, they had a culture of encouragement. They had a culture of encouragement. Five times in Acts, we read of a house meeting where they each gave encouragement to one another. Where the Bible states in Acts, it says that they gave each other encouragement in that house meeting. And I presume that what that was, was 
telling each other about what God was doing in their lives, telling each other about what God was doing in the areas that they were ministering to. They clearly saw in the early church that it was important to share this, to give each other the encouragement to help them to persevere in their faith. And likewise, in so many of the epistles, the letters in the New Testaments, in the New Testament, sorry, we read of Paul's encouragements to churches and to people groups. And to many of them, he even says, I'm sending you this person. Why? To encourage you with stories of what God is doing. They were cheering each other on. They were pushing each other towards this common goal that they had to love God, to love people and to spread the good news. So you might be thinking, "Okay, I get that it's good to encourage people, but how can I do that well? And what does that have to do with life groups? What makes life groups the perfect place for encouragement? Well, for me, it's proximity. The proximity of life groups makes it the perfect place for encouragement. See, on a Sunday, whoever's preaching, whoever's speaking from the front is able to talk about a passage or look at Jesus's life and come to some practical conclusions as to how we can follow Jesus effectively. But In a way, that's kind of as far as we can go. On a Sunday, we're not able to speak directly into one person's circumstance. We can't specifically encourage anyone in their specific environment. Yes, God can speak to all of us through his Holy Spirit. He can speak into our circumstance through his Spirit. But the talk on a Sunday morning is never going to be specifically based on one person and their particular circumstance. For example, if Simon was talking on evangelism, he isn't going to be speaking into my specific environment. He isn't going to be encouraging me or giving me advice or praying for me as to how I might share Jesus in my football team because of two reasons. Firstly, if on a Sunday morning we spoke directly into one specific situation, then the rest of us get lost. The whole room gets lost as we speak to just one person. But secondly, Simon might not know my specific situation. He might not know that someone at football last week has asked me to chat and go for a coffee to chat about my faith. But life groups give us this exact opportunity. See, in a life group, we can encourage each other into our personal callings, into our people groups, into our workplaces. In a life group, the proximity allows us to really share life and do life together, and speak encouragement into each other's circumstances. 
So if part of our role as followers of Jesus is to encourage each other, how can we do that? How can we be people that encourage those around us? Well, as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking, what does it look like to be known as an encourager? And someone that I personally see as a real encourager is Keely. And I've, if you've been in this church for a while, you've probably heard the phrase before, being Keelied. Who's heard the phrase being Keelied? See, a, a lot of people have heard this phrase, being Keelied. And actually, I think at the crux of this phrase, we're really talking about being encouraged on a personal basis, often leaving us feeling challenged or the need to respond. And seeing as being key lead is kind of part of our culture, as you can see by so many people knowing what we mean by that. Seeing as it's part of our culture, I thought, wouldn't it be great to ask Keely to come and join me this morning and have a conversation about what this really means and what it looks like to be an encourager. So Keely, can you join me? Let's give Keely a... I also just think, let me just say, I also think that Keely is a great encourager. And to pick her brains this morning a little bit as to how we can be better encouragers would be super helpful. So, yeah, I've asked Keely to just come and join me this morning. And I'm just going to ask her a few questions about how she encourages people and what she's doing when she Keely's someone. <laughs> so we're all going to find out her secrets. This morning. So let, let me start by asking you this question, Keely. What does the phrase being Keelied <laughs> mean to you and where did it come from? Well, let me just say, first of all, I am not like the encouragement guru. Jake's making me do this today. I didn't put myself up for this, did I, Jake? No. I, and I get many things I wrong. I almost Keelied her into it. <laughs> he, he actually... <laughs> I was totally Jacob. I went in to say, how's it going with your preach? We were chatting and then it was like, do you know what? You should be doing this. And before I knew, we were doing this. So anyway, where did it come from? Is that the question? Yeah. What, what does it mean? To, I also to get many things wrong and miss many opportunities. So I just want to caveat everything I say with that. Well, the phrase being Keely actually didn't start in this church, would you believe? It followed me around in our previous church that we pastored in Birmingham. And I don't know how it got down here as well. Um, it must actually be a thing. That's all I can say. Uh, it sounds really harsh when I hear it. I'm like, oh, sounds well, just horrible sometimes. But I, I don't think people mean I it don't think a, they do. But if you're horrible. new to the church and you hear it, you might think, oh, that sounds a bit controlling or harsh. But I think people are saying it in a kind way and usually with a bit of a smile um, and a wink. But hopefully <laughs> being keely means what you said. Hopefully it's people have been moved or impacted by what I've said. They might have been challenged. Um, or just that they know that somebody cares, that I care, but actually that God cares for them ultimately. Hopefully that's what it means. It's not about me. I am just a conduit of God in that moment, hopefully encouraging people and, and like I said, letting them know that they are loved or encouraging them to be a better version of themselves or to step into something that they might not have thought about. So I think that's what being keelied means. It's that being maybe trapped with me on a one-to-one <laughs> <laughs> that they felt they haven't been able to get out of, but in a good way. Is that right? Yeah. So, so why do you do this? Can, can you explain a little bit about what motivates you to kind of give this encouragement in this way? 
I think the analogy you gave as well about the preach was, was exactly right. I think I do my best work one-to-one, probably. I don't mind speaking at the front, but I am very passionate about people, and that's what motivates me. Um, I really do love people, and I honestly care, and that's a good job, really, seeing as it's my job. Um, yeah, you should care, too. <laughs> um, it's just the way I do it. We all do it in a different way, but I am very passionate about going after the individual and seeking them out. I love to help people realise their dreams, maybe overcome a really bad narrative over their life, um, bad habits, or just believe in themselves, or just think that they, they leave a conversation with me maybe just feeling more uplifted, or that maybe they could do something that they hadn't um, thought about doing before like I genuinely love to champion people and and I'm very passionate about the church working as a body it says that in the bible and we all have our part to play and so I guess another thing that I love to do is put people in the right roles in that body so that everybody's playing their part because I believe everybody has a crucial and vital part to play and that's why I do the rotors and I used to do them in Birmingham as well and I think it probably it lends itself to my natural gifting because I'm happy to talk to people I'm happy to ask people and don't really mind that I can cope with the with the nose but the flip side of that is I do love to call people out into what I believe they should be doing and even if that's just welcoming on the door if I see somebody that's really gifted at, at chatting you know I will want to put them in the right place and so I don't mind doing rotors and volunteering doesn't really volunteerism doesn't really work I mean I know I say it on here but when I go after people on a one-to-one basis that sounds harsh doesn't it when I go after you when I come and chat to you um I'm doing it because I care and because I want the rotors filled but you can see <laughs> you can see the backstory of that is because I believe everyone has a part to play um and Jesus recruited people on a one-to-one basis didn't he so I believe that you know you you should be asked as well. I mean, I'd love it if everyone comes and chats to me afterwards and tells me, yes, I'd love to serve in Kingfishers. And some people will. But you'd be surprised how people say when I ask them, oh, I've been waiting for someone to ask me. And I'm like, I literally asked you in the service. But um, I don't hear that because people want to be, you know, that specific thing you were talking about. People want to be encouraged specifically. They want to be seen. And I think it's really important when we do do that for one another and we say, I think you'd be fantastic and working with the children. They're like, really? me because often people don't have the confidence to be able to do that so my heart is to build people up and like I said to move them on to champion them and to put them in the right places uh, where they should be outside of church too whether it's their job role or within their family or or here Um, I just and I don't actually think my job today is to do this. I think this is part of my gift mix, so I am talking, and it comes easier to me than it may be to other people. So I'm not here to say everybody has to be like me. Um, But I just want to encourage people to be the best best version, so that's what motivates me, I think. So it's encouraging people into them being the best that that God has for them. I think that's what motivates me, yeah. Just making people feel good about themselves, because there's very few people who, you know, get that happening to them a lot in life. So... so What might it look like? What might it look like in both how you encourage someone, but also where that kind of comes from? Well, I am known for making people cry. Again, I don't do that in a bad way, but, you know, hopefully I don't. But, you know, people do do often cry when I talk to them. But I again, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit or it's the Lord just saying something that maybe no one has said to them that week. And that's why taking time and care to do that is so important. And I just seeing it as loving people, letting them know that they're loved, letting them know that someone cares about them, that ultimately somebody sees them. But ultimately, that's not really me. That's that's God. 
And people I barely know, and this has always happened to me, often end up telling me their life story um, or something that they've never told anyone before. And, and I don't have a formula for that. I don't work at it. I don't try. But I do ask a lot of questions, and I'm genuinely interested, so I listen. And I think people then um, just feel able to, to share their story. But that gives me then a window into their lives, and that gives me an opportunity to be able to encourage them and champion them once I know that. Um, and for me, it's all about helping people, as I said, into their destiny, into what God is calling them to do, because we get so stuck, don't we, as individuals? And I think if we were all encouraging one another, like Jake said, in the little things, in the specific things, imagine how much more flourishing we would have as we would be as a church because we'd all be doing it and I know lots of you do it um, but to be constantly thinking how can I encourage that person because the world just pulls us down and down doesn't it we need to be people of encouragement and that's why I think it's um it's talked about in the bible uh, so much about being in community and loving one another and spurring one another on to love and good deeds what was the question <laughs> um what does it look like for me um yeah, I also love to encourage people to just go back to God for themselves. You know, if I see people stuck or just not knowing where to turn, it's not about me being specific or directive. I will always encourage people to go back to God and seek God. What is what is God saying to you for your life? But again, sometimes people need to be pointed back to God. And that's encouragement too. That is that's helping people when they get stuck saying, you know, there's, there's a Father God who really loves you and he has a plan. Why don't you you know, talk to him about that and then come back to me and then we'll discuss again because I don't want to be directive. And on a more basic level, I think actually those are the big things, but we all need encouragement just to get through life, don't we? I think it's so tough out there. Just those little encouraging things are so important just on an ongoing daily basis that we can all do for one another. You know, just saying I'm thinking of you today or just sending a text to say, um, you know, hope it goes well with that hospital appointment or you've got this or you can do this. I know in the past I have had loads and loads of encouragement from many people and many people here for the big things in my life. Coming down here, we had tons and tons of support and encouragement, but also just in the everyday life. And, you know, I want to thank all of you who do that uh, because it's meant so much to me and it has kept me going when, it, like I said, when it's been massive stuff or when it's just been on the everyday grind. A, a small word of encouragement means so much. So, like I said, I think we're not, we're not made for isolation. We're made for community. We are made to be um, in groups with people, whether that's in a life group, in family, in our work situation. That's where we thrive best, when we're encouraging one another and building one another up and spurring one another on to love and good deeds, but for ourselves too. Because I know that when I encourage somebody, I actually go away feeling better too. Because it's lovely to have a, a warm conversation with somebody and to know that you've touched somebody and they're smiling when they might have been sad before. So it's a win-win. You encourage somebody and I think it helps you feel encouraged too. Sorry, I'm waffling. What's that? <laughs> oh, it's 12 o'clock. Yeah. I'll how how can we five cultivate an atmosphere of encouragement in our life groups? It's the last question. Is it? Yeah, I've, I've skipped. Are you skipping? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think just, uh, we've said it, get to know people personally. I think what Jake said is so important. It's in the specifics where we can encourage to, in, to ask people how they are and then listen to them. But share about your own life. Again, you've said all this, Jake. You don't need me. Um, build trust with people. That's where it happens in the life group, where you can be more intentional. Um, they're going to get their children, not, not leaving because <laughs> they feel keely. Um, and I'd encourage you, there's some specifics. 
write down what you hear. When you go to life group, honestly, sometimes when I come away from church or a life group, I'm thinking, all these people have shared and I can't remember. So often I'll write it down, make a note. I even set alarms on my phone. If, if someone's got a job interview or a hospital appointment, I know that in, with all the will in the world, I won't remember by Thursday or whenever it is. So I'll make an alarm on my calendar and it will remind me on that day. That's not wrong or unspiritual. That's just using tools to help my brain because then I might be able to send a text saying, thinking of you today and and if lots of people did that imagine how that person would feel um if you're thinking shall I encourage somebody or not then I would just do it anyway because there's not many people who wouldn't um, benefit from an encouraging word and I think we can all grow in this area like I said this is my natural gifting I am a talker I love people so we're not all like this but even if you don't love to go and have a one-to-one conversation with people then use technology use your phone send a text a text can be really encouraging when somebody's had a week and they've been on their own um and also, the, I would just say the people who you often think don't need any encouragement because they look like they're thriving, those are often the people that really do need an encouraging word and they might look like they've got it all together. But I would say go for it anyway and encourage them and have that conversation. Sorry, there's probably loads more I should be saying. Great. Well. <laughs> I hope you feel you've been keyled in, in a good way. Thank you very much. Can we give Keely a... Uh... I'm hoping that that's kind of helpful. I, I just wanted to get Keely up to kind of talk about some of these practical things that she does, some practical ways that we can put a rhythm of encouragement into our lives. And, and like Keely said, you may be thinking, I can't do what Keely does in encouraging people. I can't be Keely. And I don't think any of us can be the exact same as any other person. I think Keely is specifically good in this area, and that's why it's her job. It's why it's her calling to be who she is. But each of us have a calling to encourage those around us. So it may look different from the way that Keely does it, but hopefully from this conversation, you've picked up on some intentional steps that we can make in being an encourager. A life group is a place where we actively seek to encourage each other, to push each other as we strive towards loving God and loving people. It's gone 12 o'clock, so I'm, I'm going to pray and then, um, yeah, then, then we can head next door. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you put us in community alongside one another. And Lord, I just pray that we will be a church that's known for how we love one another, how we love everyone around us, how we give encouragements to people. Lord, help each of us to come away this morning saying, what is my role? What is my role? How can I be an encourager? So, Lord, will you speak to each one of us as we go away from this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org.
Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.